welcome to To Grow Good, a podcast of conversion stories, to share encounters with a living God, to bear good fruit, a place where others can meet or be inspired to meet God. So get cozy, lean in, and listen close. Miracles are at work, and He wants to meet you too. My name is Rachel Smith, and I'm your host. Now let's start growing some good. Hi, friend, and welcome to another episode of To Grow Good. Thank you so much for being here. I am actually traveling this week, so I'm not in my normal setup. I don't have my microphone with me, so if I sound funny, please let me know in the live chat if you're joining us live. Make sure I can you can hear me okay and see me okay throughout our conversation tonight. If this is your first time tuning in, welcome. Uh, It seems that we've been getting more and more people that are hearing about To Grow Good and sharing how these journeys and these conversion stories are impacting their own faith life, which is just so amazing. So welcome. Hit subscribe. Every week we share a new conversion story on Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern on the To Grow Good YouTube channel. Um, We do it live. We ask we open it up for a Q&A at the end, um, so you can pop questions into the chat if you have questions for our guests at any point throughout the conversation. And then all the audio is released um, on all your favorite podcasting platforms. So we're on Apple, Spotify, um, Google Podcasts, all of those places. So you can always search to grow good there and listen along over there as well if you prefer to listen rather than watch on YouTube. Um, I also wanted to mention, if you haven't yet, hop on our email list. It's the best way to stay in touch with what we're doing. Every week, I um, send out an email with some behind the scenes, more info on the guest, um, and you also will have a direct link to every new episode um, and all the different links to them. So that way, you're not missing any conversion stories that are released as they come out. You can join our email list by going to togrowgood.com. Um, and then you'll also gain access to every week. There is um, a free devotion that goes out written by either myself or someone from a group of women that I've been journeying with in my own community. Uh, we take turns reflecting on the gospel of the week and sharing how the scripture verses have impacted our own continued journey of conversion and encounter with God. You'll also get a monthly newsletter of my favorite Catholic content, a lot of which was what I listened to, read, consumed while I was seeking, um, or that I I just have come across recently and loved so much, I just want to share it with other people. And so by joining the email list, you'll get a monthly newsletter of my favorite links and resources um, to help you grow in the faith. So you can go to togrowgood.com to join our email list. If you do join our email list, make sure that you add togrowgoodpodcast at gmail.com to your contacts because we're using Gmail, which is a free platform. So our emails might go to your spam or junk folder. So if you've signed up and you're wondering where my emails are going, check your spam and junk folder and then add togrowgoodpodcast at gmail.com to your contacts. 
I also wanted to let you know before we jump into this week's guest and an awesome conversion story that we have lined up tonight, I wanted to let you know that as a listener of the show, you can get 15% off coffee from Catholic Coffee with code GROW. You can go to catholiccoffee.com and use code GROW at checkout to get 15% off. Let me tell you a little bit about Catholic Coffee. Catholic Coffee is a ethically sourced, sustainable brand that does all of its um, growing and producing and selling and manufacturing within the United States of America, which is so amazing. I find that so powerful. Every roast is named after a different saint, so they're really fun, and you can find new saints and learn about their story through the packaging and the fun things that they send you when you order Catholic coffee. I love coffee. I always use it with my prayer time every morning. So if you're like me and you love coffee and you're going to buy it anyway, why not support an awesome, authentic Catholic brand and Catholic company with a mission to build up the kingdom and help raise awareness for the communion of saints. So you can go to catholiccoffee.com and use code GROW at checkout to get 15% off. That is just a little perk that you get for listening and being here, friends. All right, now let's get into this week's conversion story. I am so excited. We have an awesome journey lined up. Um, Natalie Gonzalez is joining us tonight. And she is a convert to Catholicism from atheism. And I know we've actually had a couple requests for more stories from an atheist background. Um, And so I'm really excited to hear Natalie's full journey. It happened over a course of many years and into her adult life. Um, And she has now been Catholic for six years, which is pretty incredible. So I can't wait to hear what went into that and how that got started. Natalie's also on Instagram at the cussing Catholic, which I'm very interested to hear how that came about and her journey in starting to share her own um, faith online and evangelize in that beautiful, natural way as we're all on this journey toward holiness. Um, All right. I think that's everything. So let's welcome Natalie onto the show. Natalie, hello. Hi. Hi. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Thank you for having me. We are so excited you're here. Could you just start us out by uh, just introducing yourself for anyone who might not know you and sharing a little bit about what it is that you do now and um, yeah, who okay. you are. Yeah. I'm Natalie. I um, actually just moved from Florida to Ohio with my family. I have five children. I have four daughters and one son. I am married to a boy I had a crush on when I was 12 years old. Um, (laughs) And we bought, we actually moved from West Palm Beach, Florida, um, and bought a 50 acre farm in Ohio. So we are trying our hand at farming now, um, amongst all of the other things. Um, I also, upon moving here, after a very lengthy uh, confession one day, was offered a position as Uh, the director of religious education for my parish. Um, And so I coordinate religious education for uh, between two parishes here in my uh, town in Adams County. Wow. Amazing. (laughs) That's where I am right now with all of my Catholic things behind me. 
Amazing. God was definitely behind that because, yeah, I'm like, wow, that huge move. And then this work that he he brought into your life. like I was so like, uh, did you hear my confession? Are you sure? <laughs> He's like, yes, because that's what I want people to do. Like, bring me your wounds. Bring me the things that are on your chest because – he already knows it. He already yeah. sees it. So he's probably like, yes, yes. Like now I give you more, um, more trust and more, yeah. you know, a deeper level of faith. Because when we open up to him, it opens up new doors in our own faith walk and our own journey. Um, I've found I think that. It's been personally. seven years. Um, this oh, wow. Last Easter made it seven years. Oh, I've wow. Been. Okay. Congratulations. Thank you. Amazing. Thank you. All right. Well, let's get into your story. Okay. Um, let's start at the beginning, if you don't mind. Could you just share for us maybe what it was like for you growing up and what your relationship to God was, whether you had any sort of background in religion at all or any exposure to it? Um, so yeah, uh, my dad was um, one of four children in a very religious family. And um he and my mom met and got married and very quickly had me a year and a half later, my dad died in a tragic car accident. Mm -hmm. And, um, that was where it all really took form, um, in my life. I was kind of from that moment on, like in this trauma all the time. And, um, my mom completely had no faith before and she lost whatever little inkling may have been when he died. So um, God was a bully and he was picking on us. And um, so I hated God, essentially. Um, I, he took my dad from me. He made my mom into a different person because she, wasn't, she was broken from him dying. And so I hated God for years and years and years. Um, I my, really, my only... Uh, interaction with God was when I was four years old, I moved in to a house in, in Florida where I'm from and right across the street, um, it was a family and it was a cul-de-sac that we lived on. And there was these little girls there and we immediately made friends. And, um, even to this day, still best friends with this person and they went to church often. And so I would tag along with them on Sundays. And that was my really, my interaction started there. They were Pentecostal, I want to say. Um, so it always felt very strange and forced to me in that setting. But um, after that, I started uh, to kind of like dip into different types of knowing that there was maybe something bigger. And I went to church with a friend of mine in middle school and um shortly after going, it was a non-denominational and shortly after going, I found out that the pastor was having an affair with another member of the congregation. Oh, and wow. so that just canceled it for me. I was like, nope, there's no good in the world. If a pastor can't even, then I'm done. And so from that moment on, I was strictly just, I, I would have called myself an agnostic up to that point. But after that, I was like, there's nothing in the universe oh. that can't be. So, um, yeah, and actually it kind of started a downward spiral, I would say. I, standing in hindsight, I can say that, you know, it, it was that, like, turning off was, you know, like, I, I it, and again, in hindsight, 
it was the Holy Spirit. But to me, it was like my Jiminy Cricket, you know, and that voice in the back of my head that I would hear saying things to me, don't do this, don't do that. And then it just shut off entirely and just, yeah. And then the spiral began. Wow. Wow. That, I mean, even as you're just sharing that, it's just so palpable to me, the power of our witness and how we don't even know. You know, it's like we don't even know how our actions and the decisions that we make are impacting other people sometimes. It's like Mm -hmm. maybe we see directly, but it's like we don't even know the people that are bystanders watching our behavior and closing things off in their own heads and hearts because of what maybe you're doing. And it's like, it's, yeah, the power that we have, especially when we're out there sharing our faith to live that truly is very high because it's like, if you're going to be saying this and then living a different way, you you are really confusing people. Yes. 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 So I, it definitely shut me down from that moment on. I, it, I wasn't interested at all. I think I'd, I think I went to a first communion once in my life and I had no idea what was going on. And Mm. it seemed very like sterile to me, you know, very like, what are they even doing? I don't even care. Where are we going to eat soon? Kind of a situation. So, but uh, yeah, after that, it was pretty much just me. I thought that the universe was completely empty. So how old were you when, when that shut up, shut down? Um, I was probably in like ninth or 10th grade. Okay. Uh, when I were, yeah, I, I started going like in middle school, you know, seventh grade and then, well, so here comes part of it that standing in hindsight. So, and the summer between seventh and eighth grade, I, um, I'd chronically had migraines or headaches my whole entire life. And, um, in the summer between seventh and eighth grade, I had to go to work with my mother every day and I was continuing to have the headaches and my mother was a nurse and I expressed to her that I was having these headaches and she was tired of me complaining about it. So she was like, well, I'm going to take you to the hospital then. So fast forward a month or so and I had a CT scan done of my brain and it turned out that I had a very large tumor on my brain. And, um, it had been there my whole life. It was this completely rare thing that only happens to certain percentages of people. It's called an arterial venous malformation. It's just pretty much your arteries and veins get stuck together. And, um, it was causing me pretty much since I was a child to experience different types of neurological malfunctions. So I was immediately, um, rushed into surgery, uh, probably, you know, a couple of weeks later after, you know, a lot of testing and things like that. And uh, right before I went into surgery, I remember like everybody was standing around me crying. I was about to have like really crazy brain surgery and possibly die and all these things. And, um, and I just didn't feel anything. I didn't feel any fear. I felt like everything was going to be fine. I didn't understand why everybody was freaking out. I was young. I was like 13, 14 years old. But um, after that, I survived the surgery, obviously. Um, And one of the things that always stuck with me was my surgery was scheduled for September the 9th of 1999. And my neurosurgeon happened to fly in a day sooner 
to do the same surgery on another child. So he asked if I could come in. Oh, I'm sorry. My surgery was September the 11th, 99. So he asked me to come in on the 9th to do the surgery on the 10th. When they did the surgery on the 10th and they opened up my head, I had already started to bleed out in my brain. And so um, if I would have waited until the 11th, I would have died in my sleep, essentially. So um, from that moment on, everyone called me a miracle. Wow. But you were like not having that, right? Because at that point you were not, you were shut down to God. Well, no, no, this was, this was a lot. This was before I was still in middle school at the time. So I was still open to the idea and going to church with my friend, but you know, I, it just seemed, it, it seemed silly to me to, you know, pray about it or anything like that. I would, I would say I was like very uh, passive about it. You know, it, it always, it always made me feel uncomfortable to yeah. pray with someone or to be in a setting where everybody was praying or I'm, I've been to, you know, a church where people spoke in tongues and it all just seemed very strange. But after that, everybody started calling me a miracle. Mm. And the word miracle just kept like sticking to me, not even really knowing what a miracle is. Um, and then slowly, I mean, that was right before I went into high school. And, and then I went with my friends to church and found out that, you know, the pastor was sleeping with someone in the congregation. And so I was like, you know, there aren't, there's just... It's just happenstance. But I can remember the word miracle really sticking in my mind. And now standing where I stand, I can see all of these crazy miracles that God was doing in the background for me that I had no idea about. But, you know, at the time I was so indignant that it didn't, none of it really mattered. I didn't care. Uh, it, yeah. it mattered very little to me. And, and I did, I took it for granted, you know, I, in my, in my youth, I, um, I didn't care that I had had brain surgery. I did, I tried various ways to destroy myself, um, mm -hmm. whether it was drugs or alcohol or sex or anything. I just, I didn't really care about myself at all. Mm -hmm. So it just kind of started piling, I guess you could say, um, until I was in a space where I was so uncomfortable with the version of myself that I had tried to make mm -hmm. that I could feel this discomfort. Like I, I, the only way that I can put it is like when you're a kid and you're watching like a movie that's maybe a little too adult for you and the scene gets to a part where it's too adult for you and you feel like you don't belong watching that. That's how I felt. I had made myself into this person and I felt very uncomfortable being that person. And I was like, man, I don't feel like this is who I even am. I don't know what I'm doing. I, I, don't, I don't know. And a friend of mine asked me, like, is this really what you want for your life? And nobody would ever asked me that before. And I was like, no, <laughs> it's not. Wow. So I tried to, you know, tried to reinvent myself in that way. And still not with God in any way, shape or form, but just tried to break myself out of this mold of a person that I had made that really wasn't me at all. So, yeah. So was that like through high school? 
or so it was it was through so it's a lot so it was through high school in high school I did a lot of drugs um I and when I was 17 years old I had a very serious boyfriend who I thought I loved very much and I I read I wrote a blog about this on my website that I actually had an abortion my mother made me get an abortion when I was 17 years old and um that I was in the 11th grade and that I would say was the beginning of my trying to unravel myself. Yeah. Um, so I didn't pain. really even like, I didn't think it would hurt so bad. Uh. And so I just tried after that any way that I could to destroy myself. Uh. Wow. Oh my goodness. Yeah, that's so heavy, especially that age to carry that. Mm-hmm. It's like so even far beyond anything I think that you can even begin to comprehend as, as was, a human yeah. being, let yeah, alone it, as I an 11, 11th grader. I didn't understand. I just was like, that's what my mom said I had to do. You know, oh, I mean, no. so you just do what your parents tell you to do. And my mom said, OK, don't worry, we'll get rid of it. And so mm. that's what we did. And I felt vindicated and you know I went through with it and it it was after that that there was like this hole that began to just cave in mm-hmm. and 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 I was filling it with anything I possibly could after that um and then it wasn't but probably like a year and a half later I was out of high school and trying to go to college but not doing very good at it that I found out I was pregnant again with my now 16 year old daughter and so I made an appointment at an abortion clinic and I made an appointment at an OBGYN's office. And I said that I would make my decision on the day of. And on that day, I chose to go to the OBGYN. Wow. What made you choose? I don't even, I mean, again, it, standing in hindsight, it was probably God because uh, I can't, I can't imagine anything else. I mean, I, a part of me knew that if I did that again, that I would that I was like killing something in me that I couldn't get back. You, mm. you can't get that back. Wow. And so, okay. So leading up to that point, were you telling yourself that it wasn't that even though maybe like, did you know that that was what had caused this like deep hole or no, I, I like, just, I'm fine. You know, yeah, I, I just pushed everything away and didn't really pay any attention to it. I just completely, pushed it from my mind and didn't talk about it. We never went to uh, therapy or anything for it. It was just something that happened and we never talked about it. I never gave it any thought um, as being something bad that could happen. But I did recognize that I was not doing well, but I didn't care because at that point, part of me had given up on even wanting to be alive yeah, and not really knowing why, but just feeling, because again, I didn't know that having an abortion was wrong. It was offered up to me so freely um, that I didn't know that it was wrong. I didn't know any of the ramifications or anything. So I just went about my life, but it was a slow unraveling process after, after that, that wow. brought me, you know, back to a Walgreens bathroom where I was peeing on a pregnancy test. 
So, wow. but I say that my daughter, that, that when I, when I had my daughter, holding life inside of you just does something. It, I would say that that would be the spark of where I thought that there was something. I didn't know what to call it or what it was. And I didn't even look at it or pay any attention to it. But I just knew that this had to be something like that. This, this person was sent to me to save me because I was going to kill myself mm. if I didn't have this baby. And I wasn't, I was 19 years old and I had been doing drugs for the past two years. I had no idea what I was doing. And I just kind of, I mean, I can't say I did the best job as a mom with her as a 19 year old, but at the same time, I was just trying anything and everything that I could to be a good person. And I was putting her, bringing her along with me. It's amazing. But yeah. I felt like I needed to be a good person finally in my life. I felt like I need to be a good person because this person is watching me. So I have mm -hmm. to be a good person. Wow. Yeah. That's so powerful. N like not even bringing God into like, you know, even though that is God, it's the good that was speaking to you, but like you didn't identify at all with, with God. It was just like, you knew innately that no. this life had value and it was given to you. Right. And it was this, at some level, you understood that it was a turning point for you because if that hadn't happened, things might have turned a different way and gone down a different path. Um, right. And so it's, yeah, even in that, in hindsight, right, you can say like, wow, I think you were beginning to realize that this life had been given to you for a purpose and right. because it had, and it did and just as itself had value on its own, just being a life. And you didn't right. even know anything about the life, you know, like no. that you knew that I had, had a had feeling, value. I had a feeling that this person was there for me for a reason. So mm. I was wow, just so powerful. With it. So you though, at this point, you're still just closed off to anything God or religion. Right. And did you get into atheism at all? Like, or what were you? So, I mean, like I'd read about a few things and I, I, but I didn't necessarily study anything in particular. I just didn't really believe that we do, that anything happens. Like you die and you're just a body inside of the ground and there's nothing. And there's really like, even as a child, like doing right from wrong. I never really, I, I like, I innately knew that it was not right to do the things, but no one ever told me that it was bad or good. I was pro improperly supervised, but I just never really cared that there was good and bad and that I could do either or, and that there was a consequence or like a, a mark or anything like that. I just did whatever I wanted. Yeah, because there wasn't any consequences at the end of the day. So, yeah. and and what what's so depressing about that is that there is no purpose to what you're doing. So at the end of the day, like, what's right. the point? I mean, right. really, what's the point of anything at that point? Exactly. And then you start to, like you were saying, what's the point of even living? Because nothing has purpose. Nothing has meaning. If at the end of this all, we're just poof gone. Right. And then, we're all just dirt. It doesn't matter. And what right. you do when you're here, it makes no difference. And it's but like then, at that point, you're just living for pleasure, if right. that. 
And even pleasure is so fleeting. And as we know, not ultimately satisfying. Right. And so it's like you get left feeling more depressed and more right. empty because and you're empty, right? Just yeah, absolutely. Pleasure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, it's such a, it's such an awful way of, um, it's just so clearly Satan because it's so dark and it's yeah. so like, you know, it leads to nowhere good. And that's where I was headed. I was headed nowhere good fast, but I knew that there was this person watching me all the time and that she was going to do what I did. She, you know, had already been such a mini version of me just from her birth that I just, I, you know, I could see her watching and absorbing everything around. And I, I just, I knew that I wasn't doing the right thing. I didn't know what the right thing was, but I knew I wasn't doing it. So I knew I had to like change abruptly mm-hmm. a lot of the things in my life. I had to peel away from the people that I had been around and the environments that I had placed myself in. And I mean, literally stopping speaking to people, completely discarding them um, in an attempt to grasp some sort of goodness knowing in some small way that they just weren't good for me. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, maybe, you know, later in life, they could be my friend or something like that. But at that moment, I didn't need what they had for me. And, and I mean, I heard a lot of people's feelings in the clawing out from the hole that I, that I was in. Cause I had to not just lie to other people about who I was. I had to lie to myself. I had to convince myself that I was something that I wasn't, that I was, you know, just different and unique and all of these things. And I, I lied a lot about who I was for a very long time until she came and I was like, Oh no, she's watching. I can't lie to her. She's here forever. She's going to see the most raw versions of me. Mm-hmm. And, um, And going off my own experience with a complicated mother relationship, I knew that I couldn't make those mistakes like she made. So I knew I had to do something different. Wow. So you started clawing and your way out, ending relationships and looking to be a better person. Mm -hmm. So what happened from there? Did you... So then I... So then I reconnected with my now husband, um, through Facebook of all places, of course. And, um, we just started casually talking to each other. Um, there was this love spark that we had when we were very young, but it was something that we abandoned because we were 12. And, um, but it was just something that was still there. It was so obviously still there, this connection. And so, um, him and I started a relationship with each other. And, um, I brought my daughter into this relationship with us and, um, they were, I mean, they were thick as thieves, the best of friends. And my husband actually was raised Catholic, but his mother passed away when he was 16. And so he never got the sacrament for, of confirmation. And he kind of, you know, I mean, he lost a very big key player in his life. And so his faith dwindled as well. But, um, there was this woman in his life um, who had helped him after his mother died and she was so poignant to him and she wanted to go to church and there was this Catholic church nearby. And so he was like, would you go to church with me and her? And I was like, okay. Um, And I went to Catholic church. I'll even admit now, I've never admitted this out loud, but I took communion 
having no idea what I was doing. I just went up and took it and did what everybody else was doing and was like, oh, okay, this is what we do. And he had no idea either because he'd stopped. So he didn't know that I wasn't supposed to do that either. So, Mm -hmm. um, but I hated it. I absolutely hated it. I hated going to church. It made me so irritated. I had no idea what was going on. Why are we standing? Why are we sitting? Why are we kneeling? What is this? Why are they singing? I hated it. I absolutely hated it. And um, so we had enrolled um, my daughter in uh, cheerleading and we were going to cheerleading and I made friends with one of the moms and I was talking to her on the phone one day um, in my kitchen. I was standing at my kitchen sink and I was doing the dishes and I was complaining about my husband. At the time, he was just my boyfriend and I was complaining about him. And um, she was like, oh, um, her name was Patrice. She said, oh, gosh, that's so terrible. Um, you know, would you mind if we prayed together? And I was like, oh. <laughs> okay, fine. We can do it. Fine. And I even kept doing the dishes. Like, I didn't even stop doing the dishes. I was so rude. And um, she, uh, I mean, maybe I don't even recall the prayer, to be honest. Um, but maybe 10 seconds into praying and I had tears streaming down my face and my knees buckled and I fell onto the ground at my kitchen sink and I was just sobbing and I had no idea what was going on. I was so confused and I was like reaching for anything. I had no idea what was happening. And, um, and she said to me that that was the Holy Spirit. And I was like, whatever, like, what are you talking about? What even is that? And, um, but, but it, 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 it sparked something. It ignited something. And I, I remember I called my husband, Elliot, and at the time my boyfriend and I said, oh my gosh, Elliot, I just prayed with this woman. And I think we need to go to her church. I we just, we have to go to Patrice's church. Like, this is where we're going to find God and all these things. And he was like, you know, that's amazing. That's, I'm so happy for you. Um, you know, we can go to whatever church you want to go to. I don't care. But would you do me a favor and give St. Gregory one more time, one more mass? And then if you hate it after that, we're done. We don't have to do whatever again. And I was like, okay, fine. Ugh. So I went with him to church on Sunday. And that Sunday, um, Father Happy M- Mike Happy Hoyer, Happy Hoyer, um, was was uh giving the homily and he didn't just stand there he like got down onto the like off the pulpit and like walked back and forth and he happened to be talking about rcia that day and he was discussing how um he had gone in and met with the catechumens and the cate the uh oh my gosh i the catechumens and the oh gosh i can't think of the other one candidates and um that he was you know that they were diving into their faith and that he was so excited and i swear he must have looked at me dead in my eyes like three times and i was just like oh no (laughs) no and i could clearly feel a pull I, it was un, undeniable at that point. I could, I could smell it and taste it, and I, I had this 
thirst inside of me that I could not quench. And I had to know all of the things. And I even called the RCIA director and I was like, I probably missed like two two months worth of classes. And I was like, please, you have to take me in. I have to be Catholic. I don't know why, but I have to be Catholic. And um, and that's that's how it all started. I, I forced myself into RCIA, not even really knowing what I was doing or understanding any of it. Um, but I just, I, I knew I had to be Catholic. I, I didn't know why. <laughs> I still am what? confused. But that is I, wild because it's just it was just a flip, basically. I it I can't even I can't even describe it. It was unreal. I just like goosebumps everywhere and sobbing. I couldn't even control it. I my husband would look at me and be like, "Stop crying!" And I'm like, "I can't! I can't!" Wow. I would just cry. It was unreal, and um, and I started going to the classes, and then I became Catholic in. So Easter of 2015, and then he went through like a short RCIA class to get confirmed because he'd seen me doing it all and wanted to do it. Yeah. And um, we had our daughter baptized and um, then we had our marriage blessed in the church. And I mean, from then it's been such a, such a journey ever since then. I mean, how was the RCIA program? Like, was it? Was it good? Like, did you, all those questions, I mean, you must've had so many questions and hang on. And I I didn't even ask them properly or I, I, I didn't pay attention very well. I didn't really understand any of the, you know, like, like I'll, for example, like the Eucharist, like I, I don't know if I thought that it was Jesus going into it. I was so skeptical. Um, but I didn't care. I would figure it out. I was going to, okay, well, if that's what I need to do, then that's, that's you what just we do. Knew. That's there was like a, something within you that just, yeah, I couldn't even, I couldn't even help it. And, um, I would pay attention. I mean, I mean, I, coming from where I am now as the director of religious education, I have to come up with RCIA classes myself now. Yeah. And I'll say, you know, sometimes it's dry. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not, you have to find your niche in the Catholic religion to, to really grasp it fully. And I can't say that I went into it, you know, knowing everything, Mm -hmm. but I just knew that I had to be Catholic. And uh, during one of the classes, it was about the 10 commandments. And um, the, the leader for RCIA had asked me about um, a sponsor for myself if I had a sponsor. And I swore that I did. I I swore I knew people that were Catholic, but the more that I asked people to be my sponsor, um, the more the reaction was like, well, why would you want to be Catholic? Oh, out of all of the religions that you could choose, why would you pick Catholicism? Or I'm not that great of a Catholic. You don't want me to be your sponsor. So when Pat came to me that day and asked me if I'd found a sponsor, I just started crying immediately. I was like, I was so disappointed. I, I didn't have one. And, um, and I heard this voice in my head saying, what about Sandy? Sandy was the woman who had just taught the Ten Commandments lecture. Mm-hmm. And I kept hearing it and I just ignored it, you know, and I was just crying to Pat. And she was like, don't worry, we'll find you someone. It's not a big deal. And I just kept hearing, what about Sandy? What about Sandy? And it was the first time that I actually took a step out 
listening to the voice in my head. And I just said, what about Sandy? <laughs> and Sandy was standing there and um, she was like, what about Sandy? And she asked, um, I asked her if she would be my sponsor and she sponsored me through RCIA. And I'm wow. still such good friends with her today. I can't, Sandy was my best resource in the whole entire thing. She was my, you know, if I had any Catholic question, I could call her and ask her. And she knew the answer. She didn't even need to look it up or Google it or anything. She just knew it. It was the perfect relationship. And those little things just started happening. It was like one domino got hit and it just all over my life just started happening. Everywhere that I went, it was something Catholic. Every And even more surprising to me, which I found out now, um, being friends with the priests uh, that I work with, um, is that after I was baptized, I started writing. So I'd never really written anything in my life. Um, I, I mean, I was a good writer in school, in high school, I, whatever, I could write an essay, but nothing beyond that. And after I got baptized, I just had this, like, like almost like I was trying to throw up, like I needed to throw up all these things that were inside of me and I couldn't figure out what to do. So I would just write these emails and then I would send them to like the little old ladies in my RCIA group and anybody really who I thought maybe believed in God. And slowly that started to evolve into being asked to write something devotionally for a magazine or getting asked to do this or that, or it, now it's turned into a blog. Mm -hmm. And I can't even begin to describe it. I'll be sitting in a moment in my life and all of a sudden it will wash over me and I will have to stop everything that I'm doing and write whatever it is that God has put on my heart to write. And it just, it just comes right out. I can't even stop it. It's, it's spiritual vomit is all I can oh, call wow. it. It's, it gets, so I just, I, I started just sharing it with other people because I didn't really know what else I was supposed to be doing. And mm -hmm. now seven years later, I have um, like, uh, half of a book written and uh, this blog that I write and just the way that God keeps pushing me into evangelizing. Mm -hmm. um, just absolutely terrifying and scary because uh, who wants to put themselves out there like that? But it's important because it's, it's such a crazy world right now. So the stories of the unbeliever coming to God are the ones that need to be shared um, because there's, there's such a disconnect between us and God. Yes. Yes. But wow. Wow. Your story is so wild. I just can't believe the prayer at the sink. I just keep going back to that moment. Oh, that kitchen because sink that was... was when like it really just the floodgates, I think opened and mm -hmm. you realize that this was real. I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because you're like, why am I reacting in this way? I would not normally react in this way. I literally right. two seconds ago was like rolling my eyes. About I was praying. irritated <laughs> that we were praying. And now I want to go to your church. What did you do to me? Yeah, what, that's what is this witchcraft? I had no idea. But I just I it, it just started this thirst in me that I had to I had to quench it. I didn't know how, but I knew that I had to. Wow. 
Praise God. That is incredible. And then you just, yeah, it sounds like um, Sandy was a huge resource for a lot of like your questions and your journeying. And was there anything you had, I don't know, big issues with? I mean, I know it must have been such a different- Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. At first, I mean, at first I, uh, well, abortion, yeah. first and foremost, I had to you know, being, I had never been baptized. So I was baptized into the faith. And I remember that they were talking about how you had to go to confession and confess your sins before you could um, take Mm -hmm. confirmation and first communion. And I was so scared. I was like, oh my gosh, they're for sure not going to let me in. If I am, if I am who I am, if I tell them what I've done. And the woman came up to me and she was like, she said, dear one, Hmm. you are being baptized. So you don't have to tell your sins. And I was like, thank God. <laughs> oh, thank God. But abortion was a big one because I, I, again, I had no idea that it wasn't okay to do something like that. Um, birth control was another one. I was on birth control. So I, I didn't know that that's not what would coincide with my belief structure. And even being a practicing Catholic at that time, still using birth control. Mm-hmm. and not really realizing that that's not okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so those were those were hard, especially, I think the hardest thing for me was letting go of the person that I had tried to be my whole life, this free-spirited, um, really, you know, liberal kind of person who didn't really care one way or the other about anything, and then really kind of realizing that my values were more, conservative and that I wanted to do things more um, that were, you know, that lined up with, I mean, now in hindsight, the Bible, you know, being a wife and a mother and things like that, things that I wasn't taught as a, as a child, as a young girl, I saw a career driven woman. So I assumed that that's what I had to be. And so I never really even thought about being a stay at home mom or having multiple children. Um, I was just trying to make it with the one. And, but after I became Catholic, I, I felt like, no, this isn't what I'm, I'm not supposed to be working. I'm not supposed to be, I have to be here with my kids. And I think trying to convince myself that I was that person and I wasn't the old girl anymore was kind of rough. And then also the friends that had come through with me on the journey now being kind of a totally different person yeah, um, was a little bit hard for some of them yeah. uh, to grapple with because I, I wanted to change everything about myself and everybody's like, but you're fine the way you are. Right. Um, and I was to a certain degree, but it wasn't who I'm supposed to be. So it always felt like I was wearing someone else's shoes, you know? Yeah, absolutely. How did you navigate that? Well, I lost a lot of friends. Um, I, I, I disappointed a lot of people, um, but I just had to stick through it. Um, and the people who loved me really and truly have stuck around. Um, it's hard because I'm in my group of I'm like the only Catholic person that I know. And so the values that we have as Catholics are just totally different from the world that we live in. And so being, I'm very pro-life now and I'm very vocal about it. That is hard for some of my more secularized friends. Um, 
not wanting to be on birth control um, is a really hard one for women just to kind of balance out because it's something that we thought was fine for so many years. Um, I preach abstinence to my children mm -hmm. um, and people think I'm crazy, um, but I do. So I don't really care. <laughs> um, but that's another hard one for people to, you know, for me to go from being such this free spirited, very open person to being this very, you know, tight wound person, I guess, in their eyes. Um, mm -hmm. it's, been, it's been hard, but the people who stuck around for the most part are the ones that walked through it with me. That's beautiful. Yeah. And I think you're witnessing in so many ways and it's difficult for some people because it's challenging their own system of what they understand Absolutely. reality to, to be. And it's hard. I mean, and if not, they're in yeah. it doing, you know, using birth control or living outside of a marriage or, mm -hmm. you know, in a same sex relationship, it's, it's hard for, it's hard for them to understand how I could be so against what they're doing in their life, but it's, that's the main problem. And yet still like love them. Right. You know absolutely. I mean? Like, I well, think and that was a lot of people like, it's like, that just doesn't compute. I, like I that was understand. always something that made so much sense to me though, was yeah. that part with Jesus was where it, he loves you even though, yeah. even though, you know, he still loves you. And so, you know, you, that I he can't, is calling you right. to like, you know, it's, it's, it's love that starts the whole thing. And so, you know, it's when you just hear all the no's without any love, it just gets very confusing. But I think it's just as confusing for people in the secular world that see people that still love people, even though they disagree with some of Absolutely. the choices that they're making. But it's like, but I still love you and we can still be friends, you know? Right. I don't <laughs> have to, like, I don't have to march with you and, right. you know, but we can still, we can still have healthy conversations. And, and, it's, it hasn't always been that way. I have had to tell people like, listen, this is who I am. And if you can't accept that, I'm sorry, I, I, you, you gotta go. I mean, even my own family members didn't get what I was doing, how this could be something. Oh, and everyone was, oh, well, you're just doing this for Elliot, you know, because he's Catholic and I'm, I, that couldn't have been farther from the truth because that man was in a different realm of his belief in God than I was. And seeing that fire in me kind of ignited a fire in him too. And, you know, it, it started him back on his journey towards God, but it was hard at first. I mean, ugh, going through RCIA was probably the hardest thing that I've ever done in my whole life, because um, they say to you, the closer you get to the sacrament, the more the enemy tries to yes. rail you from the sacrament. And I cannot even tell you, I mean, you know, from being something as obvious as I can't make it to class today because I have a kid who's throwing up mm -hmm. to literally arguing with my then boyfriend about anything, mm -hmm. you know, um, having to leave and go to the classes and who's going to be with the kid. I mean, anything. And it was all thrown at me. I mean, I would, I, I would cry and sob to God and like, I don't want to do this anymore. I, I don't want to do this. I don't want to go through with this. This is too hard. There's mm -hmm. too many things being thrown at me. Um, all of my relationships were disintegrating. I felt like the love that I had with my now husband was disintegrating and I felt 
completely alone mm -hmm. and just like completely paralyzed that this is like, how am I going to be this person? I still don't know how I got here to Catholicism. I still can't even people say, you know, but being a Catholic from an atheist, I'm like, I know, right? <laughs> yes, Isn't it crazy? Amazing. I know. I would have never thought it either. Miraculous, really. I mean, that's Absolutely. what it is. There's a miracle again. <laughs> Absolutely. And all of those little things now standing in hindsight, you know, um, I can, I can see now where God was all those times. Yeah. You like know? leading you a little bit like closer. Like those near misses those in your down. life. Yeah. You know, yeah. that you, you don't see or you almost trip and fall and you like have that rush in you. Like, oh my gosh, I could have just gotten really hurt. That's, I, looking back now, I can see where there was someone there saying, no, 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 don't, don't do that one, you know? And then even allowing me to choose the things that I chose and go through all of that crap um, to get through it. So that was, that's always been kind of hanging out in the back too. But I mean, he's there moving all the pieces. Yes. This isn't checkers, it's chess, you know? So yeah. it's a long game. Exactly. And right, even now, still, I think like we continually unpack our journey and our life. It's just this ongoing, like we were saying, it's an ongoing conversion. Like even after you're Catholic, you just are continuing to be purified and made new every day through the sacraments, through God's grace. Like, so it's this journey that just continues throughout your whole life. It's it never is. over, you know, and pushing away parts of yourself that, you know, you have to get rid of, yes. but still trying to keep parts of yourself that make you authentic to who you are, like the cussing Catholic. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I, I cuss a lot. I, I can't help it. I, I try so hard. I know it's not right, but I do. I curse. I just do. And I, I do try, but it's just, it's, but it's something that um, has been brought to my attention by many Catholics that this is wrong and you're going against God and you need to confess it. But it's also something that has brought so many people to me mm -hmm. to say, thank you for being a real human being. Thank you for being a person who can worship God on Sunday, but still be a vulnerable human being on Monday. Um, because that's really what it all, it, it all comes down to. I mean, we are, we can't just play the part in church on Sunday, we have to walk the line every day. And I think that that fearlessness of just being able to just walk away from a person who I thought that I was, it allows me to pretty much inject God into everything that I do. Mm. Every single thing that I do, tie your shoes for Jesus and you know, wash the car for Jesus and all of the things in my life. And I'm still, though, uh, the cussing Catholic, I'm still not perfect. I still yeah. have things that need to be ironed out and flattened out. And yeah. that has, that's, that's everybody's story. Maybe you don't curse, but maybe you, you know, you watch really horrible television. I mean, there are tons of ways that you can poison yourself. You know, mm -hmm. you just got to pick yeah. your poison. Yes, that's so beautiful. And I was wondering, I wanted to ask about that because I'm like, I figured that was what it kind of was about. It's just like, we're all on this journey. That's not to say that you dwell in the bad, then you're just like, oh, well, too bad. Like, I'm not changing. But 
we, when we have faith in the Lord and we go to confession, that's what it's for, like to continue to purify us and heal us and make us stronger in those areas over mm-hmm. time. The Lord knows that's not going to happen overnight. It's not like, oh, okay, you're done. Like, right. unless he does a miracle like that, which he, which he can do, like you praying at the sink, like, <laughs> but it's like more often he wants to be in the healing journey with us. And so right. he wants us to choose him over and over again to battle that sin out of our lives. And it's exactly that it's a battle. It takes mm-hmm. time and endurance and trust in Jesus. Like, and just continuing to go back to the confessional for the same sin, maybe the same week. like Every time I confess that yes. I curse every single Sunday, every Sunday mm. I was cursing again. You know, I know I, I, but again, there are so many moments in the last couple of years. And the only reason I even joined Instagram was because I was writing and my mentor told me that that's the way to share is social media. I didn't have social media for like 10 years. Mm-hmm. And I came back to social media because my writing mentor told me that, you know, that's how you get your writing out into the world. There's no other way. The Internet is the way. And so I was just regular, you know, like Natalie Gonzalez on Instagram. But it was um, somebody said something to me one day. And and uh, that's why Natalie is like the cussing Christian. And I was like, yeah, I love Jesus, but I just cuss a lot, you know. <laughs> And, um, and that kind of molded itself into the cussing Catholic because it's just, it's, it's two things that don't even go together. Right. Right. But But it's right. But it's when you, I don't know. And I've just been told so many times how, um, relatable Mm -hmm. the things that I write or the things that I say can be. And so I just, just running with it. I heard it once and I loved it. Like, you know, sometimes people think people that go to church are all holier than thou or whatever. And it's like, actually, if you ever go to a Catholic mass, the first thing we do is literally acknowledge our sins. Like, right. like instead of that, we're sinners, all right? so sorry. Yeah. And I'm sorry for your sins too. <laughs> You're a sinner. I'm a Praying sinner. For okay. You. Sorry. Yeah. We're all there to be healed. That's what it's for. It's a right. hospital, not. Um, Yes, a hospital. Yes, that's what it is. And like, we're not all saints yet. We're on our way to becoming. Um, All right. So we have been chatting for quite a while. I'm going to, no, no, that was so amazing. What a wild, incredible journey. God is so incredible and so good. Um, So I'm going to ask the last question that I like to ask, and then we're going to open it up for Q&A from the audience. So if you're watching live, Pop your questions into the live chat and we will take your questions for Natalie in just a minute. So ask them now. Um, Natalie, can you share with us one scripture verse that is either speaking to you recently or that has played a foundational role in your journey and why? Absolutely. So I looked it up before um, and I'm going to, let's see. So it's Matthew 634 and it's one that I just love very much. And it says, um, therefore do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And, uh, that was a part of the, um, sermon on the Mount. Right. And, um, just as somebody who deals with, um, mental health issues and anxiety, um, I have found that 
that exactly worrying um you know watching the birds you know the birds don't go out and store all of their things you know they just trust that god is going to do that for them and so you know who can add an hour to their life by worrying nobody and i just it always spoke to me because i always just worry about every stupid thing and um but why there's no reason there's no reason to worry god's got it he always has, even when I was at my darkest, lowest points in my whole life, God had it. It's amazing. Yes. I love that whole discourse in Matthew 6. It's so powerful. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, it's like, it really is amazing when we do let go and we let him show us how he can provide the things that happen are truly just beyond, beyond explaining to someone. It's like, right. it's so beyond something that you could even think would happen sometimes. And <laughs> the way it happens is just so perfect. And every time I do it, I'm like, God, make me get out of my own way, please. Exactly. Because you're always better. Always. Like every, every single time I let you do it. It's right. so beautiful. So and exactly much better than what I could have thought. Yes. <laughs> I'm like, can you just make it so I can't get in my own way, please? Because yeah. No, because then you wouldn't make the choice. Then you wouldn't yes. choose. You know what I mean? Yes. And that's the point is that you make that choice to yes. let him take over instead of just trying to take it all the way. I remember like somebody said once, like, God never gives us more than we can handle. And a friend of mine was like, okay, but that's not biblical at all. Like that, that has no biblical value. God will give you as much as you want until you ask for help. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wow. Okay. Yeah. That makes a yeah. lot more sense. Yeah. That true. is so good. Yeah, it is true. It's like without his grace is what I want to add to that. It's like, he will give his grace abundantly. Right. And so really everything is beyond what we can handle. Cause like what he said, you can do nothing apart right. from me, you know, but with him, All we things. can do anything and right. nothing is impossible as he tells us. So, um, all right, let's take some questions. Cause we do have a few from the audience. Thanks for watching guys. Thanks for being here. We have somebody here who said this lady is fearless. Ask her about her war room. So now uh, I have to know. <laughs> so um, when Elliot, my husband, was going through his, you know, kind of coming back to God, um, we had seen this advertisement on TV for a movie called The War Room. And um, I was absolutely sure he was not going to go see this movie with me. Like I was he's not going to go. But I asked him to go and he said yes. And I was like, oh, okay. So we went and saw this movie. And this movie talks about um, a married couple and they're going through really hard times. And um, the woman is a realtor and she comes to a house that she's going to sell. And the, the person selling it has a um, closet space that they pray in. And there's like scriptures all over her wall and all these things. And throughout the movie, um, it's a progression of her faith growing and um, and this war room where she takes everything into prayer into this war room and she really prays for anything and everything, right? Wow. And um, and I just was like so moved by that. I, yeah. I just, I couldn't, I couldn't shake it. And so um, it was in our first house, um, we had like the tiniest master bedroom ever. And I got these little pieces of cork board um, that were probably like, 
you know, 12 by 12 pieces of cork and I put it on the wall. And whenever anybody asked me to pray for them, I would write the prayer down and I would stick it on this cork board. Mm. And I called it my, my war wall, you know? And um, what started happening is that I started noticing that more and more people were asking me to pray for them. And I was like, oh man. And then I started noticing the prayers being answered. And I would look up at the at the wall and I would see a prayer that I had prayed. And then I would get a phone call from that person saying, oh, my gosh, you'll never believe. But this happened. And I would put the answered prayer into an envelope and I would keep them. And in our next house that we moved into, the wall got a little bit bigger and it it was now a little bit like a shrine. You know, it had like a little statue and a candle and a couple of pictures, but it had grown exponentially and was now three of these cork boards going up the wall. And fast forward to my now house in Ohio. Um, They have things called mud rooms here so that you can like take your shoes off and get the snow off your boots. And I happen to have two of them in my house. And so um, I had just, when I walked into the house, I just knew that this room needed to be my war room. And so I started just with a cross that was given to me at our last church. A woman gave it to me and I just always remembered to pray for her. Her name's Teresa, lovely lady. And I just always remembered to pray for her. And um, so then it was like, hey, if you want me to pray for your intentions, you know, you don't have to be specific with your prayer. But if you want me to pray for your intentions, just send me a cross and I'll hang it on the wall in my war room. And it started out with, like I said, just one cross. And I think that between my family and followers on the internet, um, I have maybe 30 or 40 crosses. I have a a section of crosses and a section of crucifixes and a section of little, like small crosses. And um, it it reminds me to go in there and to pray for the people um, that hang their crosses on the wall in my war room to to carry their burdens with them and pray for them. I love that. I want a war room. <laughs> it's, in, uh, it's in my highlight reel on my Instagram. I have one and it's called. Oh, Wilson. I got to check that out. That is yep. amazing. It I love it. Yeah. All right. Let's see what else we have. It says, um, somebody asked, how is your relationship with Mama Mary now compared to before you were converting? I, I would, I mean, honestly, up until this last year, I would say I had zero relationship with Mary. Um, I have a very complicated relationship with my mother. It's very, very toxic. Um, And so I completely discarded mother as anything at all, really. Um, Once I started to recognize my own value in mother, I guess I started to respect moms more, but never Mary. I was like, that's ridiculous. Who prays to Mary? That's dumb. Um, So I have this friend. Her name is Sheila. And she's wonderful. I met her in the most wonderful way at church one day. And um, I went to her one day and I was just like, Sheila, I think this was a horrible idea that we moved to Ohio. Everything's falling apart. I hate it. I, I don't know what to do. I'm praying and praying and praying and praying. And it feels like it's falling on deaf ears. And I just hate it. And I don't know what to do. And she was like, have you ever tried to pray the rosary before? And I was like, oh, no, that mm-hmm. seems like it takes forever. <laughs> And she was like, listen, there's this group on Instagram. They're called Many Hail Marys at a Time. And they pray the rosary every day at 745 Eastern Time. Um, And maybe just chime in and see. 
And that was probably a year ago in April or May. And I started just listening because um, I didn't even know the order of the rosary. Um, so I just was started by listening. And um, and it's so amazing. If you ever do it, it's wonderful. Many Hail Marys at the time, so good. And people, because it's a live stream, can put their intentions right there. Mm -hmm. And there's 800 people praying so the rosary at one time. And it's so fantastic. And um, you can really, like, it. it's the feeling is like palpable. You can feel it. And it's so, you feel like it's so stupid. It's on the phone. It's on Instagram. This is so dumb, but you, you really do make this connection. And mm -hmm. so I started praying the rosary there and um, just kind of trying to learn it. And um, they had, you know, made these suggestions for books and everything. And it was really, you know, quite amazing. So I, um, I took my kids to VBS last year, Vacation Bible School, um, actually it was a year ago yesterday. Um, and I took my kids to vacation Bible school and I just felt the urge to ask one of the other moms there, um, if she would pray the rosary with me that day. And I'd even, <laughs> I was so lame. I even printed out like a, like a cheat sheet because I didn't like, I was like, I don't want to mess this up. And I was going to be the leader. I was like, oh my gosh. And, um, and I did, and I prayed the rosary with her and, um, in a church together in the quiet. And it was so amazing. And, um, actually her and I pray the rosary every weekday together on the phone. We call each other at six o'clock in the morning, every day wow. and pray the rosary. And the more that I, um, prayed the rosary, the closer I got to Mary and the more I realized that, um, that she was, she was kind of always there in the background um as as your mom mm -hmm. and having had such a complicated relationship with my mother i i just didn't realize that you could just lean on somebody like that and um and so i just did i just started leaning into her and praying the rosary um i would some mornings i would pray it um with my husband he leaves for work really early in the morning so i would pray it with him on his drive into work mm -hmm. and then um and then that slowly started to fade out and um and then I would pray with my friend Kate and we still do it. I mean, sometimes we can't make it. She has four kids. I have five. So some mornings it's super hard, but um, it, it, it started to grow this little thing with her and um, with the prayer, the rosary or the, or the memorari or any of those like really good ones. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I started just slowly. So then I signed up for a raffle to get like a statue for my front yard, a Mary statue. And I won and wow. so I have this like, statue in my yard and my kids even pray the rosary and they like, nice. play, like play with the Mary statue. And she's definitely become, you know, like a something in our life that, I mean, I got her right here. Yes, there she That's is. That's from many Hail Marys at a time too. I bought it from them because I just felt this really deep connection with her. Wow. And I, I, it made, it actually made me a better daughter to my mother, mm -hmm. I think because it gave me um, a little bit, I felt a little bit more grace towards my own mother um, mm -hmm. because it didn't have to be complicated. It just could beautiful. just be what it was. Yeah, that is so beautiful. And gosh, the rosary is so powerful. It is it so really powerful. Is. It just is. for like purification and cutting like sins out of your life. Like right. if you're struggling with a habitual sin, I mean, the rosary, man, I'm telling you, it's like, 
it is so powerful just what it can do in your spiritual life. So mm -hmm. it's like confession and the rosary and obviously the Eucharist. It's just like, dang, it's like yeah. you're bringing out the big guns. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. And it's so I powerful. When I, when I pray the rosary, it's so early in the morning and I'm so tired sometimes and I'll lay my head like this down, like on my couch and I'll close my eyes and try to imagine that like I'm laying my head in Mary's lap and mm -hmm. she's just stroking my head and telling me, okay, okay. Oh, and just listening to everything that's behind each Hail Mary. It's beautiful. It's so good. I love that so much. And it's so funny you bring this up because I'm going to be on many Hail Marys, guys. Yes. Actually, I, haven't, I hadn't shared this with anyone yet, but um, this Sunday, no June 26, I'm going to be praying with the community. So if, uh, we'll if you're it. interested or if you've never tuned in before, this Sunday, the 26th, would be a really great time to do it. And you can pray with us. And I'm going to get to share a little bit about Our Lady and what she has done in my life and my relationship to her and how it's grown. And gosh, she was so pivotal in my own journey. So um, I can't wait to share it. So it's funny that you brought that up because so I wasn't funny. even going to. I'm going <laughs> to be praying the rosary with them in October. Oh, great. That's amazing. Yeah, they are amazing. I've tuned in a few times. Um but it's funny because I wasn't planning on sharing that. And I feel like that was the Holy Spirit being like, hey, you should probably tell me. I'm going to tell them. Make yeah. sure you tell them. Absolutely. So everyone go check out Many Hail Marys on Instagram. I think mm -hmm. they're on YouTube as well. So Yeah, um, they are. Definitely. Yeah. They're well, great. thank you so much, Natalie. This has been amazing. Your journey is so powerful. If people want to find you in your blog, where can they go? Thecussingcatholic.com. Just okay. Like <laughs> and you're on Instagram as well, right? Yep. That's my Instagram too, the cussing Catholic. Just got to be who I am. Yes. And let the Lord, you know, yeah, work in, in the mess. Let him work in the messiness because that is what he does. He meets Absolutely. us in our mess and he purifies it and makes us holy over, over time. But um, gosh, that is so beautiful. Well, thank you so much. This has been such a joy. Thank you to all everyone who tuned in live tonight and anyone listening after. Thank you for being here. And please know of all of our prayers for, for you. Please pray for us. Pray for Natalie and her continued journey and her yes, family. All the and yeah, her move to Ohio and everything that that's brought. Um, I know I'll be praying for you. So thank you so much for joining us, Natalie. Thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. Yes. All right. I'll let you go. Have a good night. Thank you. Bye. Thank you, friend, for joining us for this episode of To Grow Good. What a powerful journey that was. I feel like I got so much out of that. There were so many takeaways. I'm still at that kitchen sink, I think. <laughs> there was so much that happened at that kitchen sink that just blows my mind. It was actually just miraculous. I mean, there's no other way to really explain that because she was so against even the idea of praying. And then all of a sudden, she just had a complete blip. And even just how her husband said, one more, one more try. Let's go to mass one more time. And of course, that mass is the mass where the priest is brings up RCIA and looks her dead in the eye multiple times. 
I just love the Lord and the, all the ways that he works in each one of our hearts and each one of our journeys. That's so unique. You just, it can't be replicated. It can't even really be explained unless you sit down with someone and really hear their whole journey. Um, like we do here at to grow good. So if it's your first time joining us, hit subscribe so you never miss a new conversion story. We come out with a new one every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on the To Grow Good YouTube channel. Um, we do it live. And then you can watch it anytime after the stream on YouTube. We're also on all your favorite podcasting apps. So we're on Apple, Spotify, all those fun places. You can hop on the email list at togrowgood.com. Um we share lots of amazing resources and things, and we also share uh, an, an email every week with the new episode and all the links to find it, so you never miss um, what's going on. So you can do that at togrowgood.com. And I lastly wanted to just share, we have a little community here of supporters. Um, everything that you see and do does cost money. It's a ministry. So if you are interested in supporting this mission, if you believe in the power of conversion stories and you really feel that they can make a difference in other people's lives, um, consider prayerfully joining our little community of supporters called Branches of the Vine. You can do that by visiting patreon.com slash to grow good. At each giving level, there are different bonuses and gifts from the shop, hand-painted prayer journals or Bibles that I love to paint. Um, you can also gain access to our monthly Bible study where I share what the Holy Spirit is putting on my heart. And I share a lot more about my journey and how I came to the faith and how the Lord's speaking to me right now. So if you're interested in any of that, um, I encourage you to come join our little community at patreon.com slash to grow good. Thank you so much for being here, friends. I will see you next Wednesday at 7 p.m. Eastern for our next conversion journey. Have a great night. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of To Grow Good. There are a number of ways you can support this mission. Follow us on Instagram at To Grow Good. Join the email list at togrowgood.com for free weekly devotions written by Catholic women, a monthly newsletter with the most impactful content along my journey home to the church, and a notification each time we upload a new episode. Share this episode with a friend, a family member, a loved one, or a coworker. Leave a written review on Apple Podcasts to help refer the show to others who might be seeking. And you can pray. Pray for this show to reach the souls that God wishes for it to reach. If you are praying for To Grow Good, please be sure to reach out and let me know at togrowgoodpodcast at gmail.com. Finally, you can help to cover the financial cost to create and produce this show. For as little as one ice latte a month, you could join our little community here at To Grow Good the branches of the vine in exchange for monthly bonus episodes, gifts from the to grow good shop and more. You can learn more by visiting patreon.com slash to grow good. Thank you so much for being here friend. And I will see you next time.